The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This is another opportunity for discussion, for questions. Um, I like for the discussion, and I see why Utejaniya does this, uh, to come out of what you're experiencing and what you're you know, the, the, the the discussions are more juicy if there's some uh, some connection with what's in the room. So, uh, for some reason or another, the last sitting, I found myself becoming um, uh, fairly concentrated, and it's hard for me to exactly know what to do with that. I guess maybe there's nothing to do with it, but sometimes I can get there by. Uh, quite a bit of effort. I mean, I may even be clinging kind of effort, but nonetheless, I can get there and stay fairly concentrated. I, not this particular time, but I often end up wondering, well, so what? Uh-huh. What do I do with this? So in this state of concentration that you had, um, uh, was it effortful or was it kind of a, a, just a, a natural experience that arose more, the, just the kind of the state you found yourself in? Yeah. I needed to pay attention to not go somewhere else, but uh, it mostly just yeah, it just arose. Okay. Um, so that's, first of all, that's an interesting aspect to notice that um, this practice, the way this practice works um, is that you, you know, you put yourself in there to just be with experience moment to moment and states like that may simply arise. You, you may find yourself in a state of, of um, very strong concentration, very strong stability. And other times you might find yourself in a, in a space where um, you're really seeing changing nature of phenomenon. It's kind of like just... just um, what I find so amazing about this practice is how quickly the mind can move between various levels of consciousness. That we can, we can be, you know, walking around having a conversation and then ten minutes later find ourselves in a pretty deep state of stillness. So just first of all, I want to point to that, that, you know, that that kind of thing happens for us. Um, in terms of what to do, with the concentration. And the concentration and the mindfulness together, as I said earlier, kind of form a... Uh, they, they form the capacity for us to see clearly. And there's nothing particularly to do with it except to recognize what is arising within the state. In your state of concentration... Was it a stable, quiet, still state, or was it a state of changing experience? Fairly quiet and still. Um, extraneous stuff would pop in for a, just a very brief moment and then go away, or I would be aware, okay, that's not, that's not the channel I want to be on. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, And yet there was a... Um, uh, a changing quality uh, there, in too, in terms of of the where the sensations were okay. located. And, 
Okay. So it sounds like it was um, fairly stable, but also kind of a moment-to-moment concentration. Now, was this question about what do I do with this coming up during the sitting? Um, a little uh, a little bit, not, not so much. It's more um, afterwards that I've, when I, when, I, when I have been there, sort of wondering... Um, What's Should the, I have done something else? Oh, kind of. What's the value of this? Or there, there must be something more to this than than just kind of being a bit quiet for a while. You know, otherwise it's almost so, a so what. Okay, so the, the I'll I'll kind of um, um, you know the concentration states themselves to some extent. Um, there is a little bit of so what about them. I mean, even the Buddha said. Yeah, you can get into these states, but they don't go anywhere. The states themselves don't go anywhere. It's what, how you use the concentrated mind with mindfulness that brings the wisdom. So, um, you know, sometimes in our practice we're just cultivating the concentration, and that's kind of the side of the, the edge of the knife we're sharpening, and nothing in particular that we need to do with it. Except I think I would encourage you to check in um, while the state is happening and see if there is some... So this is a check the attitude while the state is happening. If there is some idea or some looking, is something supposed to happen? Or if there's some sense of what next or what the point what's the point happening in the state itself you notice it in the reflection back but consciously in when you kind of enter into that space as i said this morning and you find yourself having a good sitting ask yourself what's your relationship to it um Sometimes the kind of subtle ideas, the, 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 the subtlety of the mind, the subtlety of the views can be quite amazing. Um, and they, they, they just have a tendency to block our ability to recognize what's actually happening with this idea of, oh, well, there's a pretty good concentration here. What am I supposed to be seeing? You know, just that idea in the mind of there's some supposed to be seeing about things as opposed to really just more deeply connecting. If, there, if there's that idea, I'm supposed to be seeing something or the, just the subtle idea of what's the point, then there's a little bit of a layer between you and the direct experience. So um, be really honest with yourself about reflecting back on those states. If there's a little bit, even a sense of a little bit of boredom with the concentration, you're kind of like, well, yeah, here I am again, so what, you know? That boredom is a, is a kind of an attitude. Um, so I'd encourage you in the sitting to look back and uh, if it, you know, when, it, when the concentration comes up, check the attitude and see if there's not some kind of subtle attitude going. The, the attitudes can get extremely subtle. Um, and in terms of the, um, um, you know, what, what is the point of the concentration combined with mindfulness? It is to see things as they are. That we, um, 
in our normal state of consciousness with all these views and beliefs and opinions going on about what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to behave and what we're supposed to have and what we're not supposed to have. We're not meeting reality as it is. There's all of this uh, layering between us and what is actually happening. And so we're not coming into contact with things as they are. And it is coming into direct contact with things as they are that reveals to us the truth of things as they are. And that truth brings some understanding about that, that and that understanding can kind of begin to, to cut into all of the ideas that we have about how I need to live my life, what I should do, what I could do, what I might do, who should do what to whom, all of, all of these beliefs and ideas that we have. That when we cut through all of those agendas, those beliefs, the, the greed and aversion are the, only the most obvious forms. The delusion is the most... Um, tenacious and um, what's the right word uh, sticky pervasive I can't think of exactly the word I'm looking for insidious that's the word <laughs> that's the word I was looking for <laughs> yeah the, de- the delusion is really the most insidious kind of filter that is so hard to see and it is that filter of delusion that I am somebody who's doing something and I deserve to have certain things or just the feeling of I am that itself is a is a is a barrier between us and the way things are and it's the the recognition of the the kind of the perversions of perception that we have the you know we we misperceive things we misperceive what is um, impermanent to be permanent. We misperceive what is unsatisfactory to be satisfactory. We misperceive what is not self to be self. And these are the things that keep us from being happy. So meeting things as they are begins to point this out to us and we go through kicking and screaming because our ego doesn't want to give up itself. It they got this idea that it exists and you know it's like it's it's like that formation of ego is trying to hold on with with all of its powers that it has at its disposal to keep itself perpetuating itself to perpetuate that delusion of itself and uh it's very hard to see through that it takes a lot of mindfulness and concentration to really meet the truth of things as they are the concentration supports that ability because it takes us into places where we have much more peace, much more calmness, much more balance of mind to actually be able to take in things as they are, things that counteract all of these views and opinions. Um, If we were trying to do that from our normal state of you know, wanting things to, wanting to have things and wanting to get rid of things, trying to construct our world to be happy. The the leap from that to things as they are is very painful because we really see, I can't have things the way I want them to be. 
<laughs> this, is, this doesn't work. <laughs> and so the cultivation of the concentration brings us to a place where we can really begin to meet things as they are with more stability of mind. It's a very powerful uh, tool for us. But it's not an end in of itself. It's a tool. Joel? So in my meditation, um, I was very tired. Um, and I dozed off and, God, this is a waste. I'll just get it over with and, you know, when's this thing going to end? And then clicked into something really deep. It just, whoop, okay, let's ride this one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was sad it didn't go on for an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> just keep going on and on. And sad that the bell rang and I said, okay, this is, this is good. So, um, noticing the judgment on both sides, <laughs> that one was worthless and that one is good. Um, notice the quickness of the transition from one to another. Yes. The assumption that from one state you can't get to the other. <laughs> All of that that is mm-hmm. just in that sitting revealed to you. Um, you know, when you have a, a, a kind of a recognition like that, it's like it begins to really point to um, the, uh, or it supports, let's say that it supports the cultivation of equanimity because you know that things can change like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that report. Sure. <laughs> In the sitting this morning, I had an experience. So I uh, started with a very relaxed, light awareness, taking everything in. And then um, some chain of thought will start. Uh, and usually I get just I get uh, transported to, to that and get lost. But this morning, um, it's, uh, when that happens, a phrase from the Sutta just comes, a thought just comes to the mind. And the particular phrase is, is from the Satipatthana Sutta. Is, this is a constricted mind. Mm, mm-hmm. And this morning, when, in the sitting, whenever that thought happens, that this phrase came to mind, and I kind of acted as a tether. It's uh-huh. not much of, not really no effort on my part, just kind of this thought came and just kind of uh-huh. restrained, that prevented me from getting uh-huh. transported away. <laughs> That's beautiful. And that is that is right from the uh, section of the Satipatthana Sutta on the uh, mindfulness of mind. Yeah. Uh, so it is pointing you to, yes, that is the kind of, yeah. the mind that is kind of tight. Yeah. That's beautiful to see that. Constricted. Uh, yeah, so constricted. Yeah. This is constricted. Constricted. Constricted mind. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Uh, so yes, that's the, and that's you know that's um, kind of that using of thought. It sounds like in this case it was spontaneous. It, was spontaneous. it wasn't something that you tried to bring in. No, it was and um, you know, Utejaniya points to that kind of wisdom that comes in is you know that kind of thought that when that kind of thought comes into the meditation, it's it's usually um, 
most helpful. And at cer- a certain point in my practice, he was saying, you know, just don't, don't try to think the thoughts. Just, you know, when... Because I was reporting some of them coming in very naturally. Like, you know, I wasn't doing it. It was just an arising thought like this. You know, this is nature or... I can't even remember the examples at this point, but um, that there's times when that kind of wisdom aspect comes in very naturally and just allows, it allows the, the releasing around the, the tightening. So, yeah. So we can use the, the, um, the thoughts consciously and it is a tool to help us connect and connect with experience and release around difficulty and uh, it can also come in spontaneously like you say mm-hmm. thank you and Tracy when you were talking about um, um, now I'm blanking out um, greed and a balanced state of mind are they mu- or any of the other States are they mutually exclusive? Can you kind of have a tendency or a, um, a wanting or a slight aversion, but still not be attached to it? Where that is balanced state of mind. You can you can be um, observing greed with a balanced state of mind. So you can observe greed or aversion from a place of balance. But I wouldn't say the entire mind was balanced at that point. You're observing what's happening with balance. And that's what we can do at that moment. That's how we can interact with that skillfully at that moment. So that is a right attitude, as Utejaniya says it. So it's, it's, you know, when we notice the wrong attitude, when we notice greed, aversion, or delusion, and we begin to observe it, that is, uh, it is balance. It is, it is a, a kind of balance. But it, uh, it isn't the enlightened kind of balance in a way, you know, because there is still that presence of the defilement in the mind. It's just not running the show anymore. Yeah, because I was trying to, like, distinguish it's okay to still have, like, preferences, but then that is then that's not really greed or a pref- well preferences you know um, if there's a sense of liking and not liking there's a subtle kind of greed or aversion in that um, we can I mean it we can we can experience liking and not liking without having a strong reactivity to it it's like yeah I like that but it's okay that I don't have it, or yeah, I don't like that, but it's kind of, it's okay that um, I don't have that. But even the liking and not liking is a subtle form of pulling towards or pushing away. It's, it's subtle. So it's really worth looking at those likes and not likes not with you know not not judging them for being there that's this is nature you know we are set up this way to have these likes and not likes you know it's like very natural that we would go towards things that are pleasant and come move away from things that are not pleasant it's it's completely natural and there is still a subtle 
greeter aversion in there. Thank you. <laughs> Not what you wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep looking at it. We don't have to get rid of our preferences, but we are asked to look at them. I think the other night, I don't know if you were here, I was talking about incense desire, looking at the gratification of sense desire. So we look at your preferences. Notice how they're functioning for you. You know, what, what are they doing for you? Are they making you happy? How are they making you happy? To what extent are they making you happy? How, how, how happy does the having things that you like really make you? So just investigate. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to just say, oh, likes and dislikes, bad, need to cut them out. That's aversion. (laughs) So investigate. Investigate, investigate, investigate. That investigation will purify you. Slowly. (laughs) So we need to stop. So um, thank you all for your practice today. I enjoy these days uh, of opening to this kind of attention and, and offering this more gentle approach to meditation practice. So may you all be at ease and happy and peaceful.